Hey everybody, welcome to Open Mic with me, Mike Creed. This week on Open Mic, Brad Huff. Don't hassle the Huff, Huffy USA, whatever fucking hashtags he gives himself. Um, he got him a tour of Alberta, came in the room, chatted for like an hour and a half. It's a really long podcast this week, but uh, feel free to turn it off if you're not enjoying it. If you get made it this far, I appreciate it. Um, Real quick before I get back to Brad, Cardo Cyclists, they're sponsoring the podcast again. You guys did an amazing job last week with showing them Twitter love. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to be having contests again. I'll be giving away crap from my gar my garage. Uh, I'll be giving away $50 gift certificates. All you have to do is is thank Cardo Cyclist on Twitter. You know, Mention them so they see it. Mention me so I see it. They're at... Their Twitter handle is uh, co underscore cyclist, um, and you should probably know my Twitter if you even made it this far. But it's Michael underscore Creed. If not, anyway, uh, you know, thank them uh, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, thank Brad Huff for doing the podcast, or um, or say your favorite line from the po podcast. Do one of those things. And uh, by the end of the week, I'll pick out what seemed to be the nicest and most sincere or funniest. Problem is, some of you guys think you're funny and you end up kind of being mean. <laughs> so, lean heavy on the, on the funny part, right? Um, back to Brad. Podcast is pretty good. It's long, but, you know, we're just sharing inside stories and laughing our own jokes, which is probably about as annoying as it gets. Um, I hope you guys really enjoy it. Talk to you later. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss? I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. It wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything, call it. All right. Heads in. Well done. Don't put it in your pocket, sir. Don't put it in your pocket, it's your lucky quarter. Where do you want me to put it? Anywhere not in your pocket. What will be mixed in with the others and become just a coin? Are you willing to sacrifice your life? Which it is. Mm -hmm.
So mommy best advice is just to get on top of this Have you ever had sex with a pharaoh? I put the pussy in a sarcophagus Now she claiming that I bruise her esophagus Head of the class and she just want a scholarship I'm living in the future so the present is my past My presence is a present, kiss my ass Gossip, gossip, nigga just stop it Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the no, 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 it's like, mic check, mic check, I'm a, I'm a professional now, huh? Yeah, it's like you're what, 15th or 10th? I don't even know. First real this, one. This is, this is probably like my 13th or 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I found though, is the guys that I really want to get on the podcast, like my friends. Don't want to do it. You don't have any of those, so there's not many that actually would do this. The people I fooled myself into thinking are my friends. Oh, these guys are really good. You know, yeah. friendly. So, yeah, so I get a guy like Ted King, who I'm friendly with. We're mm-hmm. acquaintances, but it's not like we call each other on Christmas. Right. I don't call you on Christmas. But you think about it later. I have, actually. Like, I've, like Ted King's never thought to call me on Christmas. No. I've never. No. And I didn't I have thought to call you. Yeah. If I know it's your birthday, I'll call you on your birthday. Yeah, if we knew each other's if birthday. We if we knew. But I deleted your Facebook, so I don't know anybody's birthday now. That used to be the, the that, That's the only part. way that helps you to know anybody. All right. But, so, like, this, I think this might be my first friend on... I, maybe I'm skipping something. You'd say JV, because JV was still a friend. Uh, I'm, you know what I mean. Right, I keep, right. I'm I, friendly hey, with him. Let's just keep this on the... We don't, the this is between... We okay. don't have to say it. We can just wink it, and then we'll know <laughs> what it means. Can we say wink? Yeah. Wink. Is it, yeah, wink, yeah wink, JV. Wink. wink. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... I Fuck, am I skipping? But this isn't our first interview. First, the first interview was the one we did, like, I don't know what, Tucson or Phoenix, when we were doing the training camp, or when we saw Parik, and yeah. we went to that garage with all the fancy cars. Oh, Bicycle Radio. Bicycle Radio. That was the, I swear, that was the funniest 
funny. That was thing. fun, right? Yeah. That was fun. We were the two old men on Jim Henson's Muppets. <laughs> we were just bantering. We the show almost. They were like, we, we, well, because we took right. over. So I don't know if Bicycle Radio still exists. I don't even know. If, that, if we could find that podcast, that would be funny. Right, but it wasn't even a podcast. It was like a, a live internet show. So that was like, so for those who don't know, there was a radio show, uh, an internet radio show called Bicycle Radio. And I, uh, I forgot how I got into contact with them, but somehow I got into contact with them. I'd done their stuff before, but I remember feeling like a little, like I, they, they were, they were really professional and they kept to a time. They had a time yeah. sheet mm-hmm. and like from here to here, no matter how good the flow was going, no matter how good the conversation was going, they would end it to continue the next thing. And I, me- I remember we were getting kind of irked. I had been irked before, but then I didn't want to say anything. And then I saw you were irked by it. So then we, we just took over. And yeah, eventually somebody compared us to the old like Wallace and Gromit or whoever the fuck those people are. Two old men on the, Jim well, Henson's. Jim Henson's just. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest. That I don't even remember what we said, but it was hilarious. And people should try and find it and send it. To I us. remember we did the old Belgian character. Do you remember the Belgian characters? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, he train, he train uh, fix gear every day, every day, fifty three eleven. You you not you not train good, huh? You know the, the legs, huh? They're not they're not very good today, huh? You look hey, when the soup is good, life is good. <laughs> Whatever stupid dumb shit. Right no, here. I don't know. We didn't really do an interview though. We just kind of sat in. As we, we just about we just took control like, of their radio station and made them right. Yeah, they never wanted. It. They never asked us to come back. Do you think anybody listened to that? No. Maybe Curtis Zimmerman, because he's a friend in the area that listens to that, but that's about it. Yeah. What? I could, I know Curtis Zimmerman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you saw him, you'd recognize no, him. No, yeah, no. I but, but, Obviously. But I always feel like he... I never get a good feel for him. Like, I couldn't tell if he, like, was being, like, a dick to me or really nice to me. I never really got an honest feel for him. I just think he kept to himself and, you know... He was like us. We were all introverted cyclists, and he didn't have that friendship con- friendship connection with a lot of the cyclists. He had just a few of them, and so then he would come around. And say, anyways, uh, right, right. We're boring the show. To correct. Right now. Correct. Brad Huff, what is going on, dude? How is this race looking for you, buddy? All right, so we're at Alberta, two days before the prologue. People probably don't want to know about bike racing. They want about like know about the real life stuff. Like, yeah, like, but it's a good way of segueing into real life stuff. True, true. Because I was this is what this is my little plan. Huh? But I was gonna say, how's the race looking? How you feeling? You were gonna tell me something about how you're feeling. You're I like, didn't eat any spaghetti then, for dinner. And then I'd say like, oh, why are you doing this? And then we get because I'm real keeping life shit. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. You don't look like you no, I did. I don't because I have husky genetics. But in this race, husky you know, genetics could help you. Mike Friedman told me he had hus. Mike Freeman tells you he has hus- husky genetics, and I saw him at Tour Colorado eat five fried uh, tempura fish, but not like the small tempura, but like like five oh, a whole, fish. A whole fish. He ate five with tartar sauce yeah. in a climbing stage race at altitude. Smart. Yeah, he's husky genetics. Got to get the but that <laughs> the best one was when Friedman would talk about him eating whole chocolate milk and meatball hoagie subs. Yeah. After track workouts in T-Town. That is Husky yeah. Genetics right there. And it's it's not that I care, right? 
It's not that I care what somebody eats. No. But don't feel sorry for yourself and your husky genetics. <laughs> Never you when you put that when in you yourself. put that shit down your gullet. Correct. Correct. Uh, so this race, this prologue, is hopefully going to be decent. Uh, it's like one half uphill, one half virtually down. Uh, one half uphill. This is like a pretty good race for you, right? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't raced since Elk Grove. I had a good showing at Elk Grove, but I hadn't raced for I don't know how long before Elk Grove. So I'm hoping that my legs come around and I can do some do some good. We've had some erratic couple years, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I blame that on myself and training little knee issues and and you know maybe not racing the right program at times yeah you know uh, you're an overthinker like myself oh yeah oh yeah yeah tinker I, I could stare at my feet for a couple hours yeah and, and, i don't want anybody to think i'm judging you because you, uh, we, we both know i you know that i'm the exact same way yeah you're you know, the only other guy who races with an allen wrench in his pocket correct and i did that at, and I've tweeted about it at Elk Grove, and I, I was thinking of you whenever I was doing it. Um, but yeah, angle tilt is so the seat of the tilt of your when, uh, when you're sandy vagina, you got to make sure it's correct to fit in there. But uh, yeah, you know it's been erratic, uh, ups and downs. You know, I'm learning a lot in my old age on training and nutrition, and even do you still want to keep racing? I think so. I think so. You know, I want to avoid the real world. You know. Is that a reason to keep racing? No. Just to avoid reality? No, no not, not really even avoid reality because I'm, I mean, I'm, very, I'm married now and I get reality shoved in my face. Every, well, yeah, but you have reality vacations, like sitting, you know, but prior to this, we were in your room with Powers, like I was pinning Jeremy Powers' clothes down to the mattress. We were throwing Correct. stuff out in the hallway Correct. in front of strangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm staring them down. I, yeah, we don't live in reality. No, no, this is the this is a far cry of reality. Um, you know, why well, do you want to keep racing though? I enjoy it. It's yeah. fun. You know, I I worked a long time to get just get to this point. A lot of guys, like yourself included, you yeah. turned pro when you were seventeen. Yeah. Sixteen. Yeah. You know, fuck, I don't know how. I, I turned pro when I was twenty six. It took me ten years to develop myself to even be good enough to think about going in the pro ranks. So, you know, while you're retiring... But your trajectory, uh, I haven't I haven't fully looked it up just because you don't do that to your friends, but your trajectory was like, you were pretty hot there for a while, right? Like, you came Correct. in, you did a lot of mountain biking, you did uh, some road racing, and then you were telling me that you, like, you got this really wicked eating disorder. So, like, how much, right, looking in... Sitting in this chair across from me right now, how much do you weigh, more or less? 180 pounds. How much were you at the height of this, like... Eating disorder? Yeah. 137.5. Same height. Same height. Dude, what? how did that even come about? I, I, I blame it on myself and USA Cycling. Because when Why I was... Why do you blame USA Cycling? Because I went to my first... When I was 1999, I took me to tour of Hokkaido... Um, with Phil Zajcek and a couple other guys, John Matthews. Uh, You're the worst bragger in history. I am. I name drop him. But you know, I was at a race, first race. I, I, I upgraded from a. How much did you weigh at this time? Probably 150 okay. pounds, something like that. But I just upgraded from Cat Two to do the national championships in whatever it was, Cincinnati, Ohio, and, oh, yeah. and like I just upgraded like oh, two weeks before that. Did Tour of Ohio, went there, went to Nationals. Was I there? You were there. Both, both of those races. Pate and I? Pate and you. Both of you guys. I remember it. 
I was it was awesome. And then I and then I got selected based on USA Cycling camps, you know, the Midwest Regional Camp camp and National Camp to go to Tour Hokkaido. Actually, I got, was going to go to Tour Guatemala. Decided not to. Took me to Tour Hokkaido. I didn't know how to fucking. I didn't know how to pace line. I didn't know how to pull. I didn't know how to do a prologue. I didn't know how to do anything. You know, I was just. I was so green in the sport. I just was like shooting your pants. Oh yeah, shooting my pants. You know, I remember in the first two kilometers, Phil yelling at me to draft, and I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, draft. Okay, I'll get on the wheel. How did you not know to draft? Well, I knew how to draft, but I just didn't know it in like a stage race format or road race format. Well, yeah. Hokkaido was one day, right? No, no, it was in that that stage race was it was a stage race, the longer oh. stage race back then. Okay, okay, and. uh you know, I got dropped in the first first day was like climbing, and I got dropped in like thirty minutes. You know, I was done out of the race, pulled out of the race. race. Oh yeah, dr- DNF. Well, I didn't DNF. They pulled me because I was HD out of the time, or did or did whatever out of time limit. Yeah. And uh, you know, I went back and talked to him. Like, you know, Brad, everybody has bad days. You know, I'm like, no, I don't even what bad days. I don't understand. I was so new at the sport, I didn't know what bad days were. I didn't know what good days were. I just knew about how to ride my bike. You know, and try to go hard. I was so new. And they're like, well, you know, and, and so I got in my head that I need to train more, I need to lose more weight, blah, 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 you know. To, Did then, somebody tell you that, or you're just looking around and noticing it? No, I look, guys. well, I look at all the all the uh, pro cycling magazines back then, I think that was the big one yeah. back then, and you just look at all of them, like Pantani, Jan Ulrich, sure. Bugard, um, guy that killed, yeah. kills, all those guys. Guys didn't you know, look like you. Guys didn't look like me, but I was like, okay, that's what you got to do to be, and I just was like, all right, yeah. on this. Yeah. And I just went full anorexic, you know, thing, yeah. eating salad all the time, eating egg egg omelets and avocado, and that was it. How did you know to, like, this sounds like a ridiculous question, because when I got to that age, I remember where I was. Mm-hmm. I was on the shitter reading novella news, and they said Johan Museo was one of the biggest guys in the pack. He's a bigger guy, mm-hmm. and he weighed 154 pounds. And I was 16 years old. I had already developed. I had hit puberty. You were. I was a muscly little fucker, and I weighed 153 pounds. Mm. And I was 16, and I I I remember losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't eat. I'd eat in front of my dad, mm-hmm. but he left before work. Right. So I didn't have to eat breakfast. I wouldn't eat lunch, and then I would go. So I'd ride my bike to school. Do school. Ride my back bike to the Olympic Train Center gym, work out in the gym, mm-hmm. and my dad would pick me up at like six or seven. I'd probably eat a uh, fig newton or something because I thought those were good for you. Right. So I ate one or two fig newtons. How did you know to eat salad? I didn't know to eat salad. Because uh, I was in like a hippie Nazi phase. I was just like, okay. I just was so strict. I'm like, tofu, soy milk, you know, vegetables. That's all I'm going to do. Because I was going to massage therapy school at the time. So you were getting. You you were understanding nutrition by proxy through other by, people through through hippies okay. you know and they're like oh don't eat that it's processed don't eat that it's processed so so I just wouldn't eat any of that and you know lost tons of weight and had that you had that little period of time where you're like your performance improves yeah because you lose that yeah ten pounds and you're like oh my gosh this is working I'm smashing people and my gauge on training and I would train my ass off train my ass off my gauge. If I was going to train more, would be I'd get out of the car at the grocery store, and I'd just kind of like jog to the front door, and if I got lightheaded and almost passed out oh, going yeah. into the gr- grocery store, then I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go it hard today. I'm going to just get a few things to eat, yeah. and I'm going to go back home. And I would just get lightheaded all the time. My friends told me I looked gaunt. They told me I looked. Jealous. You know what's crazy when you get to that point, though? 
You feed on it. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't feel. I didn't feel like it was bedtime until I was hungry. Like I would. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Because because you're like okay, I'm not gonna eat anything with carbohydrates in it past six o'clock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I went to bed, if I started really bed and I had those first little hunger pains, I was excited. I knew I had done my job. I went to bed right. like content. You, and I I would dream of food. Oh, dream, yeah. just oh, dream of food, oh, yeah. chocolate cake, oh, yeah. all kinds of just anything. I would dream of it. Yeah. And if I and when I woke up in the middle of the night, I'm like, shit, I'm not gonna go back to bed because I'm so hungry. I would eat half a grapefruit. I'd eat half okay. a grapefruit, and then I'd be like, okay, that's it. And I'd go to bed. And I, and something that I used to help me go to sleep would I would sleep with like five layers of pillow or five layers of covers, sheets, blankets because I was freezing. One, because I was skinny, and two, it would, like the pressure would help me fall back asleep. And then I'd, I would dream more about food. It's just like it, this comforting Comforting, feeling. yeah. yeah like, oh, my like, God. Like, like your mom's hand on your chest, like trying Dude, to go to sleep. That's really intense. Yeah, and I, and I would do that. I did that for a year, you know, and, and I'd wake up to ride, and I'd, I'd, I'd gauge myself depending on, I'd go to the scale. I'd be like, pee, poop, go to the scale. I'm like, mm, it's not good enough. I'd have like a tablespoon of olive oil, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go ride for two and a half hours, and I'm drink nothing but water, drink nothing but water, two and a half hours, keep my heart rate at this rate, and then at two and a half hours, I'll have this, you know, supernatural, sure. you know, drink that's supposed to help me out and give me energy and electrolytes, and has like four calories, and then I'd ride, I'd ride that for another hour, and then go work at the bike shop, and then go to class, and have like half a Cliff Bar at work. Where'd you bottom out? I bought him out because of injuries. I just would have one injury after another after another. Did you have performance bottom out before injury bottom out? Yo, yeah, 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 but I didn't know that. I didn't realize it was performance. I thought I was like just not training hard enough and not doing that because I was still just so young in the sport. And I only I got into cycling late in life, you know. Did not, your parents say anything? Oh no, I was I was living in my grandparents' hood rent house. They were letting me stay there. It was close to close to college, you know. I could commute to college and the bike shop I was working what are your at. Friends, I didn't have many friends. I just yeah, went to class and you like don't, you don't no with that kind of lifestyle. You don't no not many friends. Yeah, you don't get a friendship. No relationships, no friends. And actually, I remember like hot chicks from high school coming by to like because they knew I lived there, and they would be like, "Hey, bro, what's going on?" And I would just like totally. I'd be like, "Yep," and it would blow them off. Be like, "Yeah, okay, I'm having fun." I'm just being an erection. Yeah, yeah. I don't think about girls. I don't look at boobs. I'm done. I'm out of here. And uh, yeah, I just did that for all. And a couple of my friends I rode with, they're like, "Man, you're like, yeah, Brad. You don't look. You look yeah. honest. You look this." Yeah. And and I would judge, base it off of like, I don't even remember weird things like how clothes fit and yeah, you have a belt. I everybody. I think if you have a, a good eating disorder, you have a belt. Mm-hmm. At least with males. I don't know how it works with women, mm-hmm. but with males, mm-hmm. everybody that. I've, I've known that's admitted to having a, a pretty sweet eating disorder has a belt and they have a notch. Yeah. There's the off-season notch, there's mid-season, and there's skinny notch. Yeah. And then you really try to get to that other notch. Yeah, I didn't even have a notch. I just was like, just just full full gasoline as far as I can go. And uh, the read, my bottom out was I tore my Achilles tendon. Uh, I went for a run with a, my best friend, work, the guy, boss I worked with, Ashley Burchfield. Went for a run. I was doing all this stupid stuff because I was reading like sports, sports um, psychology journals and sports physiology journals, like how to in- increase your you know 
neuron synapses for firing for this muscle fibers and this and that. And I was, so I was thinking I should run like this and do this stuff and run backwards and do plyometrics and do this and not eating at the time. And then I tore my Achilles and then that's when the bottom came out because I couldn't train. And uh, I just started gaining weight. I'm like just just depressed. depressed. So depressed. So depressed. And like come, people came to the bike shop and they're like, Brad, you lifting weights? And I'm like, no, I don't lift weights. And they're like, such hey, you're just looking. That's such you're a funny compliment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, you're solid, dude. You look solid. You're fat. I mean, you're lifting weights. I'm like, no. You look, look strong. Yeah. Look yeah. Strong. And so that, you know, and then uh, at that point, I, I uh, kind of gave up on cycling a little bit. Gave up on cycling because I had to because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't ride. And even when I got back, I went to the, I, I tried to, because I was, because I just had graduated from massage therapy school, I tried to self-treat it with, with homeopathics and, you know, this and that. And uh, so I didn't go to a real physical therapist, athletic trainer for two, three months. And it was just, it was terrible. It was like an old door hinge that, that just wouldn't work. And it was like, and we actually made that sound. You can yeah. touch it and feel it. And so whenever they, they put me in a boot, and they put me in the boot and I'm like, I can ride. I know how I can ride. I put a platform pedal on one side of my bike for the Jesus. boot, for the boot, and the other side had my normal, my normal uh, pedal, the clipless pedals. Why wouldn't you just do two platforms? Because I just did. Because you're crazy. I was crazy. I was yeah. crazy, and uh, before that, I like the Achilles tendon was so swollen that I cut the heel completely out of my Victoria shoes so I could try to pedal, and, and I couldn't do that and then uh got the boot and did like three hours in the boot four hours in the boot my friend rode with friends and they can do this just like was it like the first time you'd first bike? first ride a bike again i was like oh this is great and it was in the winter and it was freezing you so i'm very fresh like you're just fucking your friends up yeah with the boot on <laughs> with the boot on i was just smashing it with them yeah you know and uh then i have to wrap it in like plastic bags and put oh, like a big sock oh i was so ecstatic so ecstatic. To ride when my bike. did it? When did it hit you? Like what? How you been acting and what you've done with your life with that? I mean, I know you know what I mean by life. But. You know, I still was in self denial, but then uh, at that point, I was able to. I had graduated massage therapy school, and I was like, "Well, I'm not doing anything with my life. You know, it's terrible. I'm not riding my bike, and so I'll go. I'll get back in college." And so I took nutrition classes because I'm like, "All right, I'm going to figure this out." And in class. While I had the boot on, sitting there, we were, uh, it was, you know, nutrition 101, like just learning the basics of it and like nutrition deficiencies related diseases and stuff. And let's, let's say, let's say they're talking about deficiencies and they're saying like one out of 10 or like one through 10 deficiencies. And I was like, I have fucking like seven out of these 10 deficiencies sitting in class because I was, you know, I was anorexic. I was, you know, this and that, or, or, you know, I was jaundice and my blood value down. I, I just... I was like, if it was a, a disease or, you know, eating disorder or whatever, I literally was sitting in class being like, I have some of that. I have a part of that. I think that way. I do that. And I do that when I'm at home. Yeah. You know, and finally I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I have to nourish my body. I have to start helping myself out and figure things out. And I was still depressed, still trying to re rehab my Achilles. And Did you ever take any medication for the depression? Never. Yeah. yeah. Never. No, I just... When do you... Because so much of the eating disorder is not tied to performance. Like, so much of it is the eye check. So, like, shirt off in front of the mirror. 
I had to put that away because I gained. I went up to like two hundred pounds, one hundred ninety pounds, but it wasn't. There was. But you have like now you have a really good body, mm -hmm. like, and you seem to accept it. As much as I, I guess, accept it because I realize it's my genetics. Like, when did you finally say, like, you look in the mirror and you're like, you know what, fuck it, dude. This is a good body. I want this body. I'm yeah. Sure this. How long did that take? A long time. Not, in, I mean, still I fight it to this day. Yeah. You know, but. I think we always will. Always will. Uh, you know, accept it more. And it's, it's sad to say, like, you accept it more depending on how well you ride your bike. You, you're like, oh, I'm fucking smashing. Like this is great. And, like, if you won Philly win. 108 Two, pounds. 220 pounds. You would look in the mirror and be like, this is the race winning this is, Yeah, this is the smash fest right here. This yeah. is ready. You know, and, then, and that's sad. And, you know, it's just kind of bred in the sport because you you just, you want it so bad and you self-internalize everything. And Where do you think the fucking determination comes from, though? Because I can't 100%. When, when I think about when I was like that in my younger days, um... I try to pinpoint like where that fucking uh, I'm trying to hold back from saying Nazi style. Oh yeah, I, I, like, I dropped that earlier. It's, but it's where do you feel like that regimented uh, military? I I I think maybe it could be something that I I, I had so much self doubt that I wanted to prove myself so bad, but I don't know if that's 100 percent right. I definitely want to prove it to myself uh, and prove it to others. Did you have? I mean, but you had a lot of friends growing up. Oh yeah, I had, I had tons of friends. Who were you, you trying to prove it to? Myself, like old coaches that were jerks. Uh, you know, proving it to others that you know I can go farther than what they think think is possible. Like not saying, uh, but my professor in college, who's a great, great woman. Uh, uh, Dr. Bushman, uh, she did some VO2 max tests on me, and I scored like a Cat 3 woman, you know, and and, uh, and after those tests were done, it was like almost more incentive for me to prove I can make it in this sport, and uh, after that point, I started really performing more and more, and like I won some national championships, and, and then I took her the pictures, and I'm like, Dr. Bushman, check this out, and she's like, Brad, I do not know how in the world you're doing what you're doing because I have the lab tests that prove you're not this good of an athlete. You you don't have the engine to be able to do this. And I'm like, I just got a lot of heart, Dr. Bushman. I got a lot of heart. And, and she just kind of smiled and she's like, yeah, you do. The problem with relying on heart, though, I've found, it, is that when it's not there. True, true. And, you know, like, uh, you remember... Um, Sergio Hernandez. Uh-huh. Uh, when he was on Rock, there was a couple times when we were working together, and that kid came to the fucking table every day with a, just a shit ton of scrap. Oh, yeah. Scrap, 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 scrap. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't overly talented, but he had scrap. Oh, he worked harder than everybody. Harder than anybody. And I, I told him at... Uh, Ching High Lake, because I think there was some day that him and I had to pull back a break. Me, I was in it. Are you doing it? I was in it. Oh, you yelled at me. You yelled at me. You motherfucker. I got mad at you because you pulled the brake back. Okay. And you got. Okay. Alright, for those who don't know, Brad was in a. There's a race in China, Qinghai Lake. Hardest race anyone will ever do in their life besides the tour. I don't know about that, but it's a very hard race. 
Brad uh, made an early break. Not a race-winning break, but it was a hard break. Yeah, it was a break, dude. True. I may... Do you know why I pulled that break back? Probably. Actually, no, I don't remember. Because I had the fucking yellow jersey on yes, my team. Yes, you did have the yellow jersey on my Okay, team. so it makes a little bit more sense. Was there a threat in that group? Yes. Oh, me? I raped... No. <laughs> <laughs> so... Those Iranians that were so, in the right, recent so cycling news article, yeah. those guys are in the break. Yes. So yeah. Some, some dodgy Iranians were on the break. Who were smashing it. Okay. So, I was pissed that I had to chase a break because we had two teammates who had dropped out the day before. That yeah. you were with. Yep. And they left us high and dry with the yellow jersey. They dropped out and I made the time cut by 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Let's not confuse the other Correct. So, I was pissed that I had to now... Because I still wanted to kind of, like, not go for GC, but I wanted to be there in the mountains for the guys. Right. And now this break had went, and we didn't have anybody to pull it back, and, I don't know, maybe it was, like, three or four minutes up the road. Quite a ways. It was, it was, like, this, like, 1% uphill road for... It was a time. valley. It was actually a very pretty valley, right. I remember being. And then... It was, it was a hard fucking... Record. So, anyway, it started with six of us chasing you guys, and I was having a very good day. Mm-hmm. And I... Out of anger and out of having a very good day, I, f- I fucking went full gas. And I rode every single one of those guys that was helping me off the fucking back of the yeah. pack. And Sergio was the last, Sergio. and he was the last guy to And think. he was hurting from the first pull. Correct. I couldn't get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not supposed to fuck your teammates, but I was so angry, I was going to fuck him out the back. Yep. And he couldn't do it. He, 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 wouldn't, he wouldn't stop pulling through. And I had to tell him that night, like, you know, Serge... You were really fucking good, but what you're more than that is you have scrap. Mm-hmm. And the second you lose a scrap, dude, you're not going to be very good. You need to figure out a way to hold on to it. And he took it in, and then a couple years later, he lost the scrap. Yeah, yep. Uh, but, Rewind. But when I got to that break, you motherfucked me. You motherfucked <laughs> me because you're an egomaniac who can't see what the fuck I was doing. You, I was so pissed. <laughs> and then you were like... I feel like, I feel like I I feel like it's a really good time for an apology. And you got stung by a bee. I got stung by a bee right before I caught you. Right before you and I. I had this big fat lip. And I was like, what the fuck, Creed? What are you doing? You're like, shut up, fuck you. You're making me sound whiny, and I don't feel like I'm no, you anybody who you knows me. You gave you some, gave like a four four word response, and I just was like, all right, I'm gonna quit yelling and being a jerk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't actually. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, when you caught me, I actually didn't didn't get make the break. I didn't make the selection because big climbs after that. I didn't win the race, but oh, yeah. your guy did. Yeah, he did. So it seems like one of us had more of a purpose you than the other. Had, yeah. Do you remember what happened the the morning of that stage? We got the old jersey and we were a couple men down. So I was like, oh, well, we could see if we could pay Jelly Belly to help us. Yeah, did Danny just like laugh in your face? So. We had, we had worked the money out, right? So we need Jelly Belly for one stage. Mm-hmm. We need them for one stage for maybe uh, 100K before the climb starts. So how much do we pay, I don't know, two, three riders for 100K pulling, right? I think you brought a good amount of money to the it, table. I thought so. So we said, I think we said $500. 500, 500. 500 ahead for 100K. Mm-hmm. And you guys weren't making any money at this race. No. You guys weren't? You guys none. Were, none. None, none. And Verbeest wanted $2,000 ahead. And I think he had convinced you guys that you were going to get $2,000 higher. Because when I said $500, which, by the way, I had to talk the team up to because they wanted to pay you guys $300 ahead. <laughs> you know. 
I said five hundred dollars, and you guys were pissed at me for a good half an hour till I explained it. You guys, well, what the fuck? You guys are gonna make so much money. Yeah. You guys are gonna. You guys uh, are gonna make. It's like, dude. Yeah. Don't. I'm. Why are you paying attention to our money? I'm trying to show you the money yeah. I can give you. Yeah. We can help you make. And money. So then you guys didn't do it. Yeah. And, we, and we bought two Russians from Marco Polo for two hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> And they, they classic they, American outsourcing. They slap. They slay themselves. Yeah, it was really pretty good. Pretty oh good man. Day for us. Okay. And then yeah. I don't even know how we got to fucking this point in this conversation. Scrap in the Scrap. heart. So yeah, where and you don't lose it. So so I've noticed with you sometimes you start. It's one of my greatest frustrations with you, Brad Huff, is I see you have that self doubt creep in, and then you hit. You hit the self-sacrifice button, or you hit the, you 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 hit the. You yeah, I mean this as like a loving friend, but you hit the cop-out button, mm-hmm. and you 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 go in the early break, or you lead the sprint out with seven hundred meters to go. Right, right, or whatever. Like, do you, are you conscious that you're doing that at the time? Uh. Sometimes I realize that I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm there. And a lot of the times, it's it hasn't so much been of a cop out. It's been more anger in the, my situation in the team that no one else is stepping up and yeah. doing what needs to be but done. You have to give people. Oh, I know. You have to let people fail to get them in trouble. If you keep saving their ass, <clears throat> the team the team car they might not see it. Mm-hmm. If you keep saving people. That's right. You have to let them fail, man. That's right. Our, I mean, this podcast will be delayed as long as it needs to. Have you told the current team about? I have, and it was and it was taken very well. So those, for those who don't know, that you're now moving from Jelly Belly to Optum. Correct. Okay, let's get this out. I've been talking because now I'm going to be directing Mountain Khakis. Yeah, and we were talking. And to we each were other. talking for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometime at Tour Utah, you said, "Hey, man, I'm talking to Jonas. He has an offer." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, cool. Keep me in the loop." After Utah, I sent you a text like, "Hey, man, what's this deal with the team?" And you replied with, "Hey, dude, I'm signed with Optum. Don't put me in a corner." Oh, I didn't say it. It wasn't that simple. We might have to pause this fucking podcast. It was. It was something. I don't know what my fucking phone is. But it's, I shit you not, Bob. <laughs> Mike's actually looking for his phone right now. I'm gonna he find, found, he found I'm it. I'm gonna find this text from Brad Huff in which I wanted to fucking murder you. Um. Okay, so. Uh, sometime after this, so we said, hey, so you sent me a text during tour of Utah. It says, I want to keep an own, honest and open communication with you. Jonas is interested in hiring me. No decisions have been made as of yet. Hope all is well. And I said, okay, thanks, man. I'm rushing as fast as I can. True. And then you say, I'm not trying to rush you. I just want you to know Jonas said he would email me a contract to negotiate very soon. Thank you. I said... Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to let you know that I'm trying to pick you up. You reply, cool. That was it. That was August 10th. August 14th. I said, uh, put it, 
putting the team together as quick as I can, dude. If you can hold out, please do. You reply, man, Jonas just seriously called and emailed me a contract. It's good cash and support. Don't put me in a corner, man. He jumped first. True. So I, there was a little more to it than just don't put me. It was actually worse. I made you sound better the first okay. time. Now that you made me go get my phone, you actually sound like more of a dickhead. <laughs> Explain to me why I shouldn't smash this phone over your fucking temple. Because then my reply is, sorry, man, didn't think I was putting you in a corner. Take it. I, I was mainly saying that... I, I, then I said, dude, chill. I'm not mad at you. It's a good fit. I just didn't think I'm putting you in a corner. I just wanted to help. Jonas will do you good. I sound like such a great friend right now. You are a great and friend. And you sound... And that's what you, I was trying to ensure that I wasn't stepping on our friendship. So how am I putting you in a corner by offering you a job? Do you, I felt that I was not being respectful and giving you the time. Then how am I putting you in a corner? You, I want to get to that. Are you baby? Is this dirty dancing? No. <laughs> Nobody put Red Hop in a corner. Nobody put Red Hop in a corner. Do you I, know I saw this text message and I probably waited five minutes to reply because I, I did the one, two, three, what the heck is bothering me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was probably other things that were going on that day that I didn't need to, but I... I just didn't want to upset you, and I didn't want to Dude, to piss you off. You're, you're signing with Jones. You're not going to upset me. I love that guy. Okay. You're a good fit for the team. Okay. All right. No. All right. I think another apology. Let's see how many apologies I can get out of you. <laughs> this one so far. Is this uh, two? Yeah, I guess so. We'll, we'll say I guess. I'm, I apologize for being a jerk. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. not go. You didn't put me in a corner. You were trying to help <laughs> Nobody me. Nobody puts baby Nobody in, in a corner. Baby in a corner. Oh. Let's get to something a little bit funnier than that. Uh, so we we became teammates on Tia Craft. We we're doing like some track stuff, a lot of track stuff, a lot of track stuff. We go to France from track camp. Correct, straight. Your first uh, European encounter, as far as I know, ever. Yeah. And uh, you win your first race. We win the first race, batting a thousand. Yep. Um, getting the yellow jersey. Getting the yellow jersey. Next stage. Right? We're racing in the town, blah, blah. I see you at the finish, and I say, like, how'd it go, man? And you, like, you're, you're pensive. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I think he got me. I think he got me. And like, oh, we'll play second. And I'm telling you, like, oh, well, second's still really good, man. Like, that second's a pretty good result. Yeah. And you're like, you, for some reason, you don't seem to be taking it in. Like, that a first and a second in your first European outing is a pretty damn good result. Yeah, never. Uh, what was the race of that? What was the name of that race? Normandy. Tour Normandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the hardest races nobody gives a fuck about. Correct. Um, so, we just kind of drop it. We're like, oh, Brad's just really interested in only winning that second. Whatever. It never ever happens this way. It never ever happens where, where you have your race meals, there's a big jumbo TV. Uh -huh. And all the times I've raced, and this has never happened. All the race meals I've been to. I don't even remember this because I was probably staring at my feet. So, we go to race mail, and there happens to be a big jumbo TV showing the race. So the whole room stops to watch the race. And they show the final kilometer of the race. And they show a Brad Huff post up with maybe 50 meters, 80 meters to go, and a young Belgian kid 
Jurgen Rollins. Jurgen Rollins coming up on the outside and mm -hmm. throwing you, and you didn't. And I looked over at you, and you had, like, I had caught you doing the most heinous sexual act imaginable. <laughs> Uh, and the whole room just looked and started laughing. Did they? I don't even. I blocked that. You totally were such out. a shame spiral. I blocked it all out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you had another good day in Europe after that. <laughs> I think it's. A, <laughs> yeah. So do you remember? Uh, this is a great. This is one of my favorite Brad Huff stories. You had a girlfriend at the time. Oh yeah. Who was very insistent on talking to you, no matter what situation. Right. Uh, maybe a few times a day. Mm -hmm. She was, yeah. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna go short of calling her needy. I will say that she was, she was, very needy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it didn't seem like she was. She gave you a lot of satisfaction in these moments. Maybe times I didn't see. She probably did. Probably not. Yeah. But there were times where she equally drove you uh, crazy and got you sad. Mm -hmm. So like. Good example is you won that first stage of Normandy. We were rooming together. You call. Uh, she calls you. Yeah. Because somehow she knows where we're at. In did Normandy. She, did, I, I don't know how, how the fuck it she was did amazing. It. And you tell her like, "Honey, I, I won the first stage." And like, "Yeah, no, I really did." And then within three minutes, you're saying, "Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That sounds horrible." Yeah. Well, you know, he's a jerk. Just try to get past it. <laughs> like, you're just immediately on. You yeah. Know, she, the, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to feed. I've got so I'd seen Brad Huff maybe four or five days in a row go from the happiest guy in the world to the to the lowest guy in the world, and I got really frustrated with this girl. So uh, I had unplugged the phone. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I do. If you, I unplugged the hotel phone so she couldn't <laughs> call, and I didn't tell you. <laughs> and you had even said to me once, like, "Hey, did so and so call?" And I'm like, "Nope." That's awesome, and she had managed. You remember this? We were in the we were we were leaving. We were leaving for the stage, and she had managed to get the receptionist to come find you. Yep, and talk I to, talked and, in the. And I actually think I got you in worse trouble because then she just bawled you out. Yeah, I remember that part. And Friedman actually had cut his skin suit into like a WWF mask <laughs> that day. Damn, that was the same period of time. And because Freeman, he had a serious saddle story. He couldn't wear the chamois that the team had provided, so he turned the, the USA Cycling skin suit into a bib, bib shorts that was a skin suit. And then he took it and put it over his head. And then he came like running in the running in the room. I'm on the phone. This one French lady's like freaked out. She's like, Oh my God! And he's like on the like half cut up American skin suit with the WWF. Like, like yeah. Mexican wrestling mask over his face. With two he was a luchador. High. Yeah, he was an American luchador. American luchador, two holes cut out, and he was like running through the lobby. <laughs> Shit. That was insane, dude. Was he screaming like uh, the Hulk Hogan? I'm a real American. Probably. <laughs> I have pictures. I have pictures on my computer. I don't have pictures, actually, because the computer died and I lost all my pictures. But, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that was that was some good times. How many fucked up stories do we have? I've so many that this podcast could be filled up. Best one of the other best stories on the team, second year to teammates, were at Torland Cowie, which oh. is just like the longest motor pacing oh. race ever. Okay, but well, we have to set it up. 
so we do this race tour in Langkawi, and you and I had been the only guys who had they, they convinced us to stay with the track program. We everybody we, else went full road. We lived in the track at a hotel for four for four weeks and four rode weeks. on the track for four weeks, and then went straight to Langkawi. Straight to Langkawi, no road prep at, at all. Zero, except so, what we rode around the. Yeah, whatsoever. and we had. I remember having a conversation with you, like, "No, dude, we'll do fine. Yeah, we're gonna be this. We're gonna fight all the time. Yeah, we're gonna be great. We're gonna be great. We suck. Except, except I was actually in a couple of kicks. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you you could manage the kicks, but got like a fifth. I got in the. Third. Do you remember I got in the GC winning breakaway? On on Genting. Genting. I got in the GC winning breakaway. Mm -hmm. What dudes I normally drop on climbs, <laughs> and I just yeah. You're like, I can't pedal more than 300 watts at. 90 RPMs. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, so, I was low down on GC. You were getting beaten the kicks. Vodders is getting mad at us. Uh, and it's crazy hot. Do you remember the one day it was so hot that we were spread across the road with 4K to go? 4 or 5K to go? Nobody wanted to start the sprint because it was so fucking hot. I, th I think so. Yeah. So, anyway, we're at the back. At the dead back, and it actually was like two abreast at this point. Two two man pace line. Was set in tempo. Yeah, uh, credit agricole set in tempo, and uh, and so one of us were like rock paper scissors, ready? Rock paper scissors now. One two three, and we threw. Was it? Yeah. We threw I, the same we threw, hand. We were so punch drunk on heat and racing that we, when we were playing rock paper scissors, like who the fuck plays rock paper scissors in a race? Tailgunning the race. Tailgunning the race in front of the commissaire. At 44, 46K an hour. We we pulled the same... Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. We, we threw the same we threw hand. The same, we threw the same hand 12 times in a row. And every time it got funnier and funnier. So, like, you start laughing at four. You start giggling at five. We're hysterical and at hysterical seven, eight. eight. And now we're dropping. At, at 10, 11, 12, we were dropped. And we were by the commissaires, and the commissaires were laughing at us. And we had to literally, like, tell ourselves, stop, 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 pedal, get in the back. And we and we had to do an effort to get back yeah. in the ring. We, we were, were like, no more rock, paper, scissors. We're done. And then we were, like, all dead serious for a while because we had to, because we were so blown from doing rock, paper, scissors. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. And the funny thing is, like, because you tell somebody that story, and they go, like, oh, okay, I could see the humor in that. But they don't, to be that blind hot and that blind tired and to pull the same thing 12 times, like, it was it, amazing. Ah, oh, fuck. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was televised. Do you remember the other thing we did? So, sometimes, if people don't know, when Huff and I would go have lunch when we were at track, we would hold hands when we walked into a restaurant. And whoever, like, go of hands first paid for the meal. Um... And then sometimes both of us felt like aptly determined that we don't want to pay, and we would just hold hands. And then after two or three minutes, we would look at each other, we'd order okay. the meal, and after we'd be like, "All right, true, it's done." This at the buffet. Yeah, we would do we do it all over the places. So this so then uh, we started carrying the game over into bike races. Oh, this is this goes to Joe Martin yeah. stage race. So we started carrying. I'm on Jelly Belly. You're on Rock. Rock. And we would hold hands at the back of the bike race and see who let go first because there's turns. We're fucking racing. We're, it's, 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 a, it's a dead serious bike race. We would hold hands. You're getting quacked. You're getting moved around. Well, the thing is, is one of us has one have one of us is holding our like rear shifter hand. Yeah, the front yeah. shifter hand. So hopefully you got the front. Hopefully you got the rear brake. Hopefully your right hand was on the bar. Right, but whatever. 
Um, started the back of the started garden. the back. I think we had held hands for maybe four kilometers to the point where I said, "Fuck this! I don't want to hold Brandon's hand anymore, but I don't want to let go." So I started to attack up the right hand side. Yeah. And you didn't let go, so you started following me through the group. And we got... We went off the front. We went off... We attacked off the off front, the holding front. hands. Holding hands. <laughs> we got maybe a five-second gap before, again, we were shaking from laughter. <laughs> it was so good. And even the, the back let us go because it was so ridiculous I think looking. it was health men on the front setting Temple for Rory. Yeah. And they were all laughing. Hysterically. They were like, what are you guys doing? To this day, people come up and they're like, I remember you guys, you Creed holding hands, Joe Martin, <laughs> off the front. That was the best thing ever, man. We had to stop pedaling. I remember yeah. I had to stop pedaling, go to the back, and I had like fucking Oscar Sevilla and Botero and these guys on my team, and they're just looking at me like I'm from fucking space. Yes. And I was just yeah. like, get. Yeah. I'll, I remember I had to tell, like, because they asked, like, what's going on, and you. You get to a point where it's indefensible. Holding somebody's hands while attacking is indefensible. There's yeah. no... Yeah. So you... I finally took a strong man's point to it, where Botero was like, what are you doing, man? And I had to look at him and say, this is America, your visitor. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. This is my best friend. I'm going to have you know something. This. Uh, Santiago, you seem like a swell guy. And... Uh, I will I will be more than happy to get you water bottles. But in the meantime, Brad Huff and I are attacking with our hands holding. And if you yeah. question me again, yeah. I'll f this is a post night. When you don't need me This is a post night of the world something. <laughs> I can make shit happen. Yeah. Oh like, that was while we're playing I just realized that we're gonna show everybody how not serious about bike racing we are. We just went from eating disorders because we're so serious. <laughs> we stopped having eating disorders and we just started fucking around. Yeah. So oh. do you remember the other game that we played at Tour Missouri? Yes, the punching in the face, the face game. No, I forgot about that game. <laughs> oh my God, oh, game. We got too many games. <laughs> I did it to some like real, real, like, like pro tour guys. I did it to pro tour guys. You're like, oh, oh, go do it to him. And I went right up next to him and do the punching in the face. <laughs> So when you if you like have a sparring partner and you like you like you do the stiff arm and you're like you're like gonna punch some guy and you're like okay if you get arm distance arm distance you can punch as hard as you can and you're gonna go an inch away from his face. So in the bike race, we would get as close as we could to somebody and then we would do like just repeated punches. So like Brad would be on the guy's left side, I'd be on the guy's right side, and we would come within a centimeter of punching his face over and over and over again for thirty we seconds. Stop. We wouldn't, wouldn't stop. stop. And you would say first, the first thing you would say is, hey, you want to know what the most annoying thing in the world is? That's right. And they would say, what's that? And, and instantly. Would, yeah. And so one of us would start it. One of us would start it. And when they lean, when they lean to the other direction, the other guy would be there to do the punch. So a combo package. Oh, that's coming back. Dude, we were that's coming back. To like Michael Rogers... Like the best riders in the world. Uh, we did this to some serious people, and it, I don't even. I definitely remember doing it to Rory. I definitely yeah. remember. Oh, uh, best riders in the world. Okay, to okay. Rory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Let me just lob that one out. I, I did. I can't remember the people that we did. Okay, anyway. but do you, all right. 
Do you remember that the, one was good. That was Next. their game. The other game was, is that our our rule was is we had to wait till the early break went, okay? Because the first 40, 50k pretty fast. This was when like the early break in Missouri would take forever to go. Uh-huh. It was yeah. a legit break. game. That's game whenever. On. That's whenever. Uh, oh gosh, what? Um, like HTC was there. Yeah. Whatever. It was just game on. Mm-hmm. So we'd wait for the early break to go, and then after that. The game was because it was so hot and humid and sticky in Missouri. You would try to sneak up on the guy, and you would take your dirty, wet thumb, your hand, and you would put a print on their sunglasses. I still do that today. <laughs> I still do that one today. So and then so now the guy has to take the glasses off and try to wash them in the middle of the race. When his jersey is sm- just you can't wipe them off on the Correct. jersey. You have to somehow try to get up. <clears throat> And that was remember we we did some Menzies. That was the big bet. It's who the fuck's gonna do it to Menzies? Knife bat. Knife bat. Knife. <laughs> I told the knife bat story to uh, uh, Clay Murphy. Uh huh. So those guys again who don't know, we're telling a lot of inside stories. There's this guy Carl Menzies who is a silver silverback gorilla on a bicycle. He is. He's uh, 190 pounds. Of fucking twisted Australian steel. Tasmanian. Tasmanian devil steel. Like 6% body fat. Eats nails for breakfast. Ready. Yeah. But to juxtapose that is he's a fucking teddy bear. Yeah. He's the nicest guy you've ever met. Yeah. Um, so, all of tour Missouri that year, I was telling Menzies final night I'm gonna get really drunk when we go to that after party and I'm gonna tell you this Carl I'm gonna fuck you up and he would start to laugh and I would, I'd give him a dead serious face and I was like no Carl I'm serious you're gonna look like a fucking asshole when 155 pounds knocks you the fuck out and I'm not gonna sneak you Carl you're gonna see it coming I'm gonna lay you out in front of your friends in front of your wife and you aren't going to be able to see, show yourself around cycling ever again. And he would laugh. He would laugh. Because he's Carl Menzies. He knows that right. I can't do this. We go to that final night. We're completely drunk. Do you remember we were slapping each other? We're, in the face! In the face, yeah. How, yeah. yeah How we, hard can we, we get slap numb, each other? We get numb face. We start slapping each How other. How hard can we slap? About 1.30 in the morning, I look across at the bar. I completely forgot about the Carl Menzies thing. That I've been doing it for a week. 1.30, I look across the bar, Carl's drinking alone, nobody near him, and he's eyeballing me and staring at me. I got the fuck out of that bar. <laughs> you ran. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I took my, I think I might have skipped on the tab. I took my phone. Sure enough, I see him at Redlands four or five months later, and I say, where the fuck did you go, Carl? I missed you that night. <laughs> you saved yourself an ass kicking, didn't you? <laughs> He's like, what? I don't even remember. Oh, he knew. Oh, he yeah. knew. He was yeah. looking at me. He fucking oh, knew. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, so, no. So, now you're going to go with a fucking Optum, dude. It's going to be sweet. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been at Jelly Belly for six years. I definitely, and, you know, you get to that point where you need to change. You need a spark to get your to get your motivation going in a different direction. And uh, I'm super excited about it. I'm just, I'm smarter with my training. Uh, I know what needs to be done. Uh, yeah. Can I probably change things up a little bit and uh, just yeah I can change things up besides the team uh, I'm actually gonna get a coach for once really? I think yeah Who are you looking at uh, 
I, I don't. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm playing the field right now. So. Yeah. I could go to. You could. You could. You wouldn't do what I said, though. No, I wouldn't. No. <laughs> no. I like the honesty. No. I, but, but as much as you know of, could you ever, like, fully. Li- like, here's my tip unsolicited advice. If you're going to get a coach, you have to pay him. Correct. Because if you don't pay him, you're not going to do it. Correct. It's a, pay, it's a paid situation. What about Colby? Colby's really good. True. I wouldn't listen to Colby either. No. No, we've been too we've been similar. too similar, too too friendly, too teammates situation. Like, been on the track too much with him, and yeah, yeah, not gonna do well, it. You know everybody though. I know, I know. I'm I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, I wish you the best, buddy. Yeah, I'm stoked about it, and I probably probably talked for a long time. <clears throat> we got this is about normal. Oh, well, this, this, is, we, normal. this is not going to be normal because we got so many stories. So, the funniest conversation we ever had on the phone was a couple, like maybe two years ago. Uh, I was recently married, or I'd been married for a year. I was sitting in the garage of my rent house, I'm and, super scared. And I was just, I was like, I was just definitely was a little tired of marriage at the point, and like had one couldn't do a certain things or whatnot because of marriage. I called you and I said, Creed, do you remember how many times Friedman and I heckled you for not being able to go on oh, rides yeah. or do this on a ride or come hang out or go okay. there? So to, to add to that story so people know, uh, there was this time uh, where I'd only been married for a few months maybe. Yeah, few not months. long. Not long. And Huff and Friedman would hang over at Pate's house and they would come, they would every once in a while they'd be like, Hey man, we're doing this to come on over. Mm-hmm. And it was a very it was a very guy centric thing. You can't bring your wife to it. Yeah. We're gonna work on this car. We're gonna go <clears> We're gonna go mountain biking, we're gonna, go we're gonna drink some beers, we're do gonna whatever. do whatever. Yeah. And I say, No man, I can't and then you guys would say like, you know, that's bullshit, dude. It's bullshit that you don't do that. Why don't and you hang out with us? You it's know? Bu- you know, like it's whatever. Like yeah. Amy's a bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't text that. Maybe, maybe. No, you would say I, it. You would have texted. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so now I'll continue with your story. So I called you, and I just I, I it was another apology. That's three in the garage. Brilliant. I apologized. And I was like, Mike, I want to say I'm sorry because I understand. And you just you didn't even respond. You just started laughing. <laughs> you just started laughing, and I was laughing in the garage. Mandy actually, I think she might even come to the door of the garage and be like. You do it. I'm like, we're talking about my life being nerve drugs. Oh, but it was the funniest, probably the funniest conversation we had on okay. the phone. So, get this. You call me and you tell me like, ah oh, man, Creed, like you were right. Like things do change when you get married. Like that's what. Yeah, and do. it's like, yeah, they do change, dude. Um, but what what makes us different than animals is that we can change. Animals can. Humans have the ability to change, so we have to figure out a way to change. Yeah, 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 we have a good life, right? A couple days later, I talk to Mike Friedman on the phone, and I tell him this story. Because now Friedman was dating uh, a crazy woman. Mm-hmm. And Friedman had been, you know, he's in a worse situation than you were. Yeah. Because yeah. his chick was legitimately crazy. Yeah, and you, he, you and your girl just have disagreements. Yeah, well, I was married. He wasn't even married. He wasn't even married. Crazy, crazy woman. So now Freeman can't do anything, right? Yeah. 
So I had, I said something to him like, oh, I had found out he had driven through the springs and he didn't stop by. So I fucking light him up. And I go, like, dude, why the fuck didn't you come by? <coughs> He's like, ah, well, you know, so-and-so was with me. And I start laughing, and I'm like, you know what's funny, man, is I talked Huff, I talked to Huff the other day, and he was reminding me about the time that, uh... Times. Had, times. <laughs> plural. That, uh, you guys would fucking razz me about not hanging out. Add on to this that Danny is now divorced from that chick that he was... Yeah, right. He was ignoring to hang out with you guys. <laughs> true. You guys are homewreckers. True, true. Um... <laughs> And he, he kind of laughs and he goes, oh, no, we never gave you that much shit. And I'm like, huh. I was like, Freeman, yes, you did. Okay, whatever. Two days later, it took two days, I go to Freeman's place to have dinner with him and his chick. Freeman, after dinner, looks at his chick and says the following words. You know what's funny, uh, so-and-so, is I was telling Mike how uh, we used to razz him all the time and now um, about not having a hangout and like now that I'm with you and I'm in love with you I see how it is <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> had actually convinced himself that and I was looking at him like, <laughs> like what's happening? He, this crazy person had actually convinced himself he told me the story <laughs> I was looking at him like what are you doing no no Mike no <clears throat> so he so he said, he said, Brad Huff called me, Brad Huff called me, and said, remember all the times that we used, he was telling me this. <laughs> he, <don't> remember. <laughs> he was just regurgitating the information like he had, like, I mean, this could be like not interesting to anybody and I don't care because it's fucking oh, hilarious. that is awesome. You know what other, let's, let's, let's go. Dude, let's, let's keep doing this. So, Fast forward, rewind, rewind, back to first year professional in Girona. We go, it, it's late, I think we just got back from some race, didn't matter what it was. We were hating, hating Girona, even though it was an awesome place. Sure. We're like, it's 11.30 at night, you know what's open? The crepery. We're going to go get a crepe. But we, and we convinced, so for people who don't know, there's this, there's this thing that happens when you go to Europe for a long time with your teammate, and you live in different places. You, you become more and more depressed, and you stop meeting up. Like, everybody gets more insular, there's not group rides anymore, you, you stare at the internet all day. You ride by yourself. You ride by yourself. <clears throat> Shit gets weird. Yeah. So we convinced everybody to go to the crepe. Everyone. From two different apartments. Yeah. So we're going to meet at the Creperia at this time. Yeah. Let's all go down. It'll be great. It'll be good for us. And we were actually saying, guys, it'll be good for us. We'll go there. It'll be great. We'll hang out yes. instead of being in a I, I, I was really depressed at this point. I was a very sad man. We were rooming together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were both depressed. And so we all go to the Creperia. And, of course, we're we're a little bit of eating disorder situation, and no one really wants to get a full-on crepe. So some of us split crepes. Some of us get full crepes. Doesn't matter. One person... One person didn't have the balls to say, look, man, I'm just trying to lose some weight. I don't want to eat all of this. So he throws half of it away when no, when he thinks nobody's looking. And I say... Why did you only eat half of it? I should have let it go. 
in hindsight now, much you, it's not my job to point out flaws. Mm-hmm. It's not my job, and I shouldn't have done it. I feel bad for doing it now. But then he said, what did he say? He said, oh, this crepe is shit. It's a shit crepe. That's why I didn't eat all of it. That's why I didn't eat all of it. It was really bad. And then we jumped on him, because we're savages, and we said, it's butter, eggs, and chocolate. You can't fuck it up. Yeah. It's delicious. It's impossible. And he said, they don't even use real cocoa powder. But do you remember what you did? Tell, tell everybody what I did. <laughs> I don't even remember how this came out. He said something like, I'll just, like, I'll buy another one. Or no, I'll... he was putting his change away from the purchase. From the purchase, which was a Ziploc bag. I really? Because I remember as a change person. Now, maybe my brain's crazy. My brain's crazy. I have revisionist history. I think it was a Ziploc bag. Okay. It could be a change purse. Irregardless, it was a container holding a lot of coins. Which in Europe coins it might have been fifteen bucks. Correct, because it was a lot. <laughs> Mike, he's like he's arguing with Mike about eating this crepe and it being shit and blah blah blah. Mike just stops talking and knocks the chain purse out of his hand. Change goes everywhere. Some goes down in the drainage, and he gets pissed. He is so pissed. And we all have to just leave laughing, and walk away, because almost a fight almost ensued. You think he was? You think he wanted to fight me? Could have. I think he would have never fought me. He would have never fought you, but it would have been. He imagined it. He went to bed cursing me. Yeah, of of course. Of course. Of course. And I think that was the end point of all all of his friendships with all of us in the team. I don't know, man. I feel. We were were assholes. We were. were, I I look back at that time and I I can't believe how depressed I was. We all were depressed. Can I I tell a motor pacing story? Yeah. Can I tell a motor pacing? Johnny, well, there's this is like pretty much in the height of my. This depression. is the full. This is in your depression and my depression. We were in it. We we're in it together, but we never talked about it. We never talked about it because we were two tough guys that were trying to make it in Europe. You were trying to be the leader for me, teaching yeah. me how to make it because it's my first year. Yeah. And I'm trying to make it because I don't want to seem like a pussy. Yeah. So Johnny calls and says, "Hey, we're gonna go motor pace. Everyone be down here at this time." And I'm like, Mike, man, I just don't feel good. I'm tired. We've done this. And you're like, Brad, just, just go, man. Let's just do this. Let's just meet there. So the whole, like, all oh, the whole team's there. We go over to Johnny's house, and I'm like, I almost turn around in the first three minutes of going to the, going to his house. We get to Johnny's house, which was a 30k ride, 30 kilometer ride to his house. We're waiting at his house for him to get ready. He has to do some business, whatever, on the phone and whatnot. There's a, there's a beer sitting on the counter in Johnny's house and we're all sitting there not thinking about food we are thinking about food because we're little dini source and there's a beer sitting there and next thing I know the beer's gone and I'm like where the fuck does that beer go because I'm actually not thinking about drinking but somebody is and I was like oh Johnny's gonna have a beer before he goes on no I look over and Creed's just down in his beer Creed's drinking a beer and I'm like oh okay this is bad okay I don't and I just I think I leave the situation. You can probably tell more about what. So I had gotten to this point where I didn't want to ride with anybody. Um, I wanted to be alone, but I didn't want to be in the apartment either because I knew I got depressed in the apartment, depressed in the apartment. Um, so I would lie about when I was going to ride. I would say that I was going to do um, just an hour spin. I wasn't going to wait till noon. And I'd wait for you guys to leave at like 10, 10, 15. 
I would leave at 10.30, uh, go the opposite direction that I knew you guys were gonna go. I'd wait two hours. I had to wait two hours, or I'd try to wait two hours. And then after two hours, I would stop and have a beer at a gas station. I'd just buy a single, I'd buy a Lucy at a fucking gas station, and then I would ride a half an hour and get another beer. And that's how I would ride. I'd end up riding six, seven hours. Yeah. But I would just drink drunk. I don't even remember. you Because you hit it. You hit it well. You're yeah. Right. Well, because I, I wouldn't bring it home. Yeah. So I would come home. You'd ride it off. I'd come home at like five in the afternoon, six thirty in the afternoon, buzzed, shower, go to bed, lock myself in my room. Mm-hmm. And lock yourself. Correct. Yeah. And... Uh... Some people knew it. I think McGregor knew. McGregor knew what was I was doing because I told him mm-hmm. I was gaining a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And so we show up to Welts's place to motor pace, and I see a beer out there. And I was really angry because Johnny just called the day before and said we're doing this. Re- regardless of what we want to do in training. Doing. So there's this beer out there, and I go, "Hey, Johnny, that's a good beer, man." And he says, "Yeah, you can have it if you want." Joking. And didn't realize that that's not I joking. Think I remember that. Yeah. So I grabbed the beer and I shotgun it in front of everybody. Yep. I just slammed it, and that started it. So we'd go motor pacing. So we start motor pacing. I turn around. Yeah, you turn around. I turn around, and then Johnny goes back and gets me. It's like Brad, no, you have to motor pace. This will be so good for you. Yeah. You've got to do this. So we go motor pacing. We do the motor pace loop. But do you remember we would stop like every hour for water because it was so yeah. hot, and I would get beer. You would get a beer at every stop. Meanwhile, while we're motor pacing, I'm holding on to Johnny's on the, onto the scooter because I can't even do the pace that they're doing. Do you remember I would attack the moto? Then, in the last 30 minutes, you were fucking full You were so drunk or so buzzed, you didn't know what was going on, and you were racing the motor, the scooter. Out of pure anger. Pure anger, and you were winning. You were winning, and you were not going to lose. And I was freaking out because I was on the back. I'm like... <laughs> What is going on right now? It was, I don't understand this. It was insane. Like, there's a part of me that's really proud of being the test pilots, the test crash dummies for the Garmin thing. Yeah. You know we what I'm the, saying? Like, and by the way, when it was done, you went and got another beer and then kept riding. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't going to go back to the apartment. No, it was awesome. I knew as soon as I got back to the apartment, I was going to be even more sad. So <laughs> yeah. I had to delay that as long as possible. And there's a part, like... You know, because I talked to Vodders. I don't know if you, you listened to the podcast. I did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish, in a way, I would have saved Vodders to later, because then I'd be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's so hard to pin down. You're going to have to do it. Correct. He's a good guy to lead off with. Mm-hmm. Oh, get the numbers. Huge. Yeah. <sighs> Crash test dummies. Lucas actually had a great phrase for for what we were for the team, and I just can't remember right now because it's too late. and I'm we were like the beta version. We're just the very beta, and I we were. I understand that Vodders has an had an opportunity to make the team huge, mm-hmm. and he took it. Right. I don't really necessarily fault him for it. No, because it's, it's but it does. It was it was I at, don't the, at th- the expense of a few individuals. I just don't know how much we helped ourselves. Like you know the like the fucked up thing I think for me at least was is that it. I think I I was I never ever and still to this day don't take direction well and I had enough talent to make up for it 
But then, like, when the back got weird and the depression started coming up, like, I don't think I... I don't have enough... I don't have that much talent. It's... Don't... It, it, come it, on. D- re- retract it, that. But... Ref- well, with the back ref- injury. The back injury, at least. When the back was bad, like, come on. You no one has... No one has talent when you have a back injury. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, I, I... I'm so fucking conflicted on that time. Yeah, I mean, you at least had experience and you at least knew what you were doing. I had no idea. I went from being a, 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 a good amateur that just races like in the Midwest and went to track nationals and won Critnats to racing in Europe like that. Yeah. No transition. No like warm up races. You know, but dude. You know like how? I think I told you this once. Was that how? Because that first year in Tiacraft, you were so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Every race, every race you're so fucking good. You really like. Like the only bad race you had was California. Right. But everything else, and even that first stage California, you got like top ten or Fourth. Stage. Fourth. First stage. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you have no bar to measure yourself up against, like you allow yourself to fail, and when you allow yourself to fail, and you have the slightest bit of talent, you're going to do pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. So you have all this talent, you're allowing yourself to fucking fail, you have nothing to measure yourself up against. Right. Boom, you shoot for the stars, uh, you get fourth place, and that, in your inexperienced, unmature brain, that's your new bar. That's right. anything below fourth, and you fucking failed. You only have three other places to go. Yeah. Instead of thinking, like, well, how many top tens? So, you have this great first year, you rock out. The next year, I felt like you really wore the weight, that weight of pressure. Mm-hmm. You really fucking. And as soon as you realized you weren't gonna fucking get to that point again, you just you you'd bag it up. I do the same thing. I'm not judging. No, I did the, I did the same shit. No, I mean that's a great a great way to look at it. You know, uh, I re- I revert back to like training and like knowing what we're doing. You know, because we were still doing the track program. Yeah. You know, and 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 uh, you know that's what we thought we were supposed to do. That's what we felt was right. Felt was the direction that we needed to go. We just got hung out to dry. Like. We got hung out to dry, and um, you know, a couple other guys that were doing the things that they thought we were supposed to do. Do you remember? Uh, so we're both having weird body issues. Yeah. Uh, with backs, hips, knees, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had a major falling out with waters. Some really shitty emails were thrown around. Yeah. And uh, so I knew a lot of passive aggressive came up to poke. He came out pretty aggressive. Okay. You know Vodder's emails. Vodder's right. emails are legendary. Correct. Um, so, we we go to see uh, uh, Park. Park, yeah. In uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a really good, really good uh, bike fit guy. Yeah. He, he knows his shit. And the whole time, I remember... You thought you were going to get renewed. Yeah. And I, and I kept telling you, no, you have to call Vodders and make sure, dude, because I don't know if you're going to be renewed. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, Mike, I'm going to be renewed. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you called him. Or he, Tour Missouri. He took, but, did, but didn't he give you, he gave you some kind of hint while we were in Arizona. He gave you like a we'll have to see or something. I remember yeah, some, something came down yeah. the pike. Sh- mm-hmm. Was it Tour Missouri you finally told you? Dormsery took everybody in, in his room one by one and was like, hey, this is what's happening. This is where we're going. This is what's happening. And so that's where he 
weeded out the flock and the, of the riders. And then just that's, that, yeah, you just gutted it. And that's Did you what, see it coming? Uh, I was still so na naive, and I felt like, I felt like you know that was his family, that was the crew, that was the group we, we were all building. You know, we were going to make a change, all of us. And then, then, and then I then then I realized it was a business. That day, I realized like, it's a weird when teams constantly talk about um, family. Mm -hmm. All they say, oh, we're a real family here. Mm -hmm. because you make sacrifices for family mm -hmm. but what I've noticed is is family sacrifice it's only a family when the when when the business needs a sacrifice from you right when you need a sacrifice from, when you need a sacrifice from the business ah oh, but it's just business yeah you can't do that it's just business. sorry but man. you need to make this time to make this happen you need to do this for the team and yeah um, so going back to that yeah I think a a lot of us got a hard lesson in, in business and in life. And, and Do you think we could have changed it in any way? What could we have done differently? I think it was regret? I think it was I have regret because it was so good that we didn't realize and we were all so good, we didn't realize how hard we were working or how hard we needed to work to continue that. Yeah. And I think that's where we didn't grasp what J V was really trying to instill in us at times. But in at the same time, you know, he felt like Alan was going to take over, or we were going to take over and learn it on our own, and that just didn't happen. So, all right. Yeah, I don't. It, it's like, a hard I, lesson. I, I almost wish that I had regret. Like I almost wish that I could point to one thing that I could have done differently, and I could regret it and I'd be angry. But like, but when you don't have that, when you don't have that regret, you feel like, oh, I just wasn't good enough. And that's like almost the worst feeling. It is. It is. And I, you know, I have that same feeling, you know, especially at a lot of the races that second year where I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to, to be in the kick, to be making, make the selection and whatever it was. And, you know, like I went to Tortatuna with you guys and I sucked. Did you? I was terrible. I got dropped the first day. I got dropped the first day and I sucked because I was having head issues and knee issues and all kinds of stuff. And I don't remember that. Oh, I remember it. I, I mean, that's when that's one of the first times when I was like, wow. You know, because up to that point, it had been actually fairly easy. All the races were like, we're always there, we're always in the group, we're always doing this. And in that race, I, I was terrible. Because I had knee issues and was, I wasn't able to train and I was hanging out with my girlfriend in Milwaukee trying to do the, the right things. and. You know, it was it was rough. It was rough, and then it came to a realization that like, wow, this is real. You know, yeah. this isn't this isn't that fun bike race that you think it is. Sure. So, um, you know, we all learned some serious lessons in life in those two years. Yeah, I just, I guess sometimes only it's unfortunate, but I think sometimes the only way I learn is by fucking up. Yeah, I can't look at other people fuck up and right. say like, "Well, look at we'll look at the next next two three years of both of our careers. We came out storming. We did pretty good. Yeah. We did really well. I mean, and and that those fundamental years built on the rest of our careers, yeah. enabling us to build upon that and not not fuck up in the like we had in those previous years. I still fucked up. Yeah. Well, we both. I mean, that's just life. You know, we both messed up. We both did a couple things wrong here and there. But the one thing that didn't change was our determination and our sacrifice for ourselves to keep 
proving to ourselves that we can do this, that we can be healthy, that we can that we can ride at the top level, that we can still make those performances, that we can be there for our team. I did do that. I mean, that's why I quit because I, I, I wasn't convinced of it anymore, and I couldn't go to the races. Years was a different situation. Yeah. yeah. Years, years was like an uncontrollable force that you weren't. You, you were trying to pin down for yeah. 10 years, five years, yeah. you know, and it's, it comes to that point where it's a realization, you know, and then you ask, like, how many years I want to do this based on my heart and my desire of it, and, you know, I'm slowly getting to that point where you realize, like, you know what, I want to sit down and have a drink with my friends, you know, I want to go and hang out with my brother, who I haven't talked to in forever because I'm riding my bike, yeah. you know, I want to go make make good money with my brother who just you know is traveling to germany to pop dents out of a car and make god knows how much money he's gonna make you know and hear the things that he's doing or my my other brother or my sister you know and then you think start thinking about those things the older you get in the sport and so you want you you question your heart and your desire of your chosen field and so i look back at that and i and i think you know what i'm i'm doing this also for them i'm doing this for myself because Every time I talk to them, they ask me about it, and they're so excited. And and you and you you see some random friend that you haven't seen in a while that sees your family members often, and they're like, you know what? The only thing your dad ever talks about is your racing. He's so proud of you, you know. Or you see your your brother, and they're or you see this individual in the family, and they're like, man, they cannot believe you're still doing this. This is you know they're they're super proud of you. And those little things keep you going and and help you go to the next point. You know, or you yeah, know, I just—it's hard. I, I brought it's it hard. up a couple times on the podcast, but I remember having this feeling when uh, it was before tour California one year, and uh, been training pretty hard, and I was dieting pretty hard, and I really wanted to do good. But I was just going through the motions, you know. And uh, one day, it was like the first real warm day of spring, mm-hmm. and it was a weekend. So all your friends and family are about. And normally we think, oh, it's the first 80 degree day. I'm going to go out. And yeah, I'm going to do four hours. I'm going to do five hours. Bound and out. You know, you mm-hmm. run out the door. Yeah. I thought it's too nice of a day to spend on my bike. I I remember being conscious that I I just had that thought and I was like, oh, the fuck is that thought? What is? And that that was maybe three years ago. It took three years for that thought to manifest into like. I didn't want to spend it analyzing every pedal stroke and mm-hmm. judging every watt and mm-hmm. worrying about my food while all people I cared about waited for me and found a way to spend their weekend until I was done. Right. And then by the time you're done with your ride, your shower, you ate, maybe you took a nap, it's going to be five in the afternoon. Yeah, it's late in the day. And, you know, and that, that thought comes in with age and experience because you actually start to realize a lot of things in life. You start to... Instead of analyzing yourself, analyzing your pedaling, analyzing your efforts, mm-hmm. analyzing your racing, you you see how those external stimulus affect your pedaling, affect affect your outlook on, in your job, in your career, and I and I really have noticed that a lot more uh, in these last few years. One with marriage, you know, that changed a lot of things, and I, you know, at times you don't want to do it because you're just so stressed out and you're so burnt out, you know. And you don't even, the least thing you want to do is try to do an effort on your bicycle or let alone pedal at whatever wattage or 10 miles an hour. You know, fuck, you don't even want to do it. And you, 
those are the times that you, you know, like takes three years to manifest. You you have to kind of take a step back and understand that you know things aren't that bad. You know, you are having a good time. Your loved ones, even though you aren't there, still care about you and still love you. You yeah. know, regardless of how many hours you ride, how great your ride was. You yeah. know, and and that's a hard thing because you know. I think that goes back to the scrap dime. Like, that's the scrap. The scrap dies of wanting to go out there and just really get in the trenches and hurt yourself that day on the bike. Yeah. And scrap's not just in racing. It's and then, just the way you live your life. and then you kind of go on like uh, what Baj said in his in his in his cast, where it's you just ride so fucking hard. You hardly ride at all, and you just ride so fucking hard. And it's all. And then that's where actually I've learned a lot more in my training because yeah. it's either quality or it's not. Yeah. And why try to like just just go? Oh, I'm gonna make it happen. Oh, I'm gonna get out there and do it. No, no. Back off. Wait until you're ready. Then go do it. And and I've learned a lot. Yeah. You know. So. Bosh is the best. <laughs> He's awesome. He's He's awesome. I couldn't believe like the way he talked on the podcast because he never talks like that. Never. I like one because he never he would never reach out and like come and be like, hey Mike, do you hear that? You want to tell you about this? He never would do that. This grumpy, angry old man, Bajdali. I mean, speaking of eating disorder, like that guy, he made an eating disorder masculine. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I think we don't share eating disorders because it's always so feminine, and you're always slightly embarrassed by it. Yeah. You know, like, I think there's a tremendous amount of eating disorder in the male peloton. Oh, yeah. Eighty percent, seventy percent. But we don't talk about it because. It's it's a very like it's something that you associate with teenage girls. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or Baj, weakness. Baj would make it a masculine thing. Like I, it blew me away how he turned it. He would say like, "All right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have a bowl of oatmeal. I'm gonna go ride five hours in the mountains. I'm gonna come back, eat a salad, and then go to bed. That's my fucking do, dude. I'm gonna lose some weight. And I'm gonna kick these guys in the fucking balls." Like, you know what I mean? Like, he turned it from, like, ah, oh, I'll just have a salad yeah. to, like, <sighs> maybe I should skip this. Maybe I should skip this. No, that. no, he turned it to, like, no, this is war. Yeah. We're going to do it. And then he went from this guy, this guy I knew. I was talking to him about, like, how much he loves his baby girl. <laughs> right. She's the best. Right. And uh, he just loves looking at her. You were, like, I literally, I, you're, like, pitching kid, him. I kid you not, like, the hair on my arms was standing up. And I knew that, like, not everybody knows Bajadali. And it wasn't going to get a lot of downloads, but for me, it was like, it was, that was, it was, it was amazing. I, you I learned more, you learned about an individual when you, let's wrap this up with a uh, phone call. I, you gave me a really touching phone call after Powers Grand Fondo. You yeah. sent me a text, but then there was also, yeah, I still have a text, I'll, text. I'll read everybody how nice of a, a person Brad Huff is. You are a really nice guy. You are a really annoying. Smoke and mirrors. I, I, I don't want people to know the truth. I try to be a jerk as often so as possible. So first you said, I said, uh, hey, I had a good ride. And you said. About that, Jeremy's grandfather. Yeah, I said, hey, yeah. good ride. Because we didn't get to talk afterwards. Oh, no, I we had read another. Never mind, that was something else. <laughs> that was one where you yelled at me for somebody I did a podcast with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I almost read that one. I'm, 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 a big, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big asshole. Uh, 
How about this? How about I tell the story first? How about I tell do the it. story? Do it. I, I, in this podcast, I had talked about being at the 1999 uh, Cincinnati, Ohio National Championships. Uh, and before that, I talked about Tour of Ohio and you and Pate being there. And I was still new in the sport, but I knew a few guys. And I knew you guys because you were young and you were kind of around my age. And I was at Tour of Ohio, Ohio and I was nowhere close to you guys in the race. Uh, a few times I was kind of up there. But I remember you having leather gloves with with studs on them. Biker gloves on. Biker gloves. Full-on biker studded gloves. And I was like, that is the fucking baddest ass thing ever. And then I went back into surviving and, you know, thinking about my Perlazumi gloves that I bought from the bike shop. So that thing was etched in my mind. Fast, go, go to go to uh, Road Nationals, which which that year, like 300 starters started the race. And supposedly, we still have an argument about that. There was like 27 finishers. And, oh, that's right. I and forgot I, and I was the And I was the last finisher, but you say you were the last finisher. But anyways, in this race, it was so fucking hard. Go up to Soup Bluff, come down into this big four-lane highway. We're in the race. I am come back into the race, and I immediately get in the group and overlap wheels with you. And I'm just like, and I overlap wheels, and you turn around and you berate me. You were like, what in the fuck are you fucking doing? Get the fuck away from me. And I was like, oh my gosh, my creed just yelled at me. I'm so... And I felt terrible. I felt terrible. I was like, oh my God. Let me apologize for that. We're one to three. Boom. That's like a hundred for me. (laughs) And, and And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, inside, I was like, oh my gosh, i got to learn how to ride a bike. But I was still trying to survive and finish this race, which I finished, and I was like 27th, and you say you were 27th, but we're still trying to debate that because I can't find the results. So then fast forward through my eating disorder, through through training, through my eating disorder, everyone in the world of cycling through from from 2000 to now has the Joe, Field, Joe Friel training Bibles. Yep. And in those Joe Friel training Bibles, there was random pictures you know, there would be Michael Berry in one of them in his postal outfit. And then there was a few of Pate uh, in the in the Prime Alliance kit. And there was also one of you in the Prime Alliance kit, randomly, like, behind Zychek in a Saturn kit. You know, like, I remember these random things. I can't remember much, but I remember these random things. And I sat down and I wrote in my training journal, I don't remember what year it was, I will be a teammate with Mike Creed. And I drew an arrow and pointed at your head and I said, and I wrote, I will be a teammate with Mike Creed one day. And I mean, I was so far from being a professional cyclist that I had no, no right and no, no reason to write that. No, that, that was a, uh, I had rationalized it in my mind that that could happen. You know, I was, it was one of those times where you were, I was like all about sports psychology and I was positive affirmation. And I was like, oh, I'm going to write this and it's going to happen. Well, lo and behold. I, I became a teammate with you, uh, and the first time I ever rode with you was in a Madison, the Madison in Colorado Springs. You were on, you were on disco. You had just come back from being sick. You were still trying to. I don't even know if you were were sick still or you you just come back. And I was riding for Mercy out of Fort Smith, Arkansas, amateur team. And you asked me because you had seen me do. I don't. I because I was there racing the endurance events, and you wanted to race the Madison, but you didn't have a partner. And you're like. Hey, I'll ask this guy because I had done well in some events, and you're like, you, you, 
It's like, maybe I, I didn't crash my bike, and you're like, you know what, I think he'll be okay as a Madison partner. You came up and you said, hey, Brad, would you want to ride the Madison with me? And you're in your disco kit, and I'm like, oh, my God. My creed is asking me to ride the Madison with him. And I was like, yes, yes, I will ride the Madison with you. This will be awesome. And I think we won. Yeah. I think we won. I think we smashed everyone. <laughs> and then that, then that next year... Uh, that next year I became teammates with you. Yeah. And I pushed Vonders. I called Vonders. You, you did. And and I and it took a long time for actually me to realize I didn't get my job with JV because I was because I won this race or that race. I realized I got my job because of what I had done at those races, and because you had made a phone call Man. to get me the job. And and so. And so that meant a lot to me, and the things that I'd learned over time from you, being being teammates with you through for those two years, and so it was like this crazy turn of events, where at one point I'm like, I'm still like, I was still looking up to you when I was an amateur, and you cussed me out, and I'm like, holy shit, my creed's talking to me, and then I write down that I want to be your teammate, and then I actually become your teammate, and it was this, I mean, it's amazing how these things happen in life. Yeah, and the, and how I realize it later, yeah. and I, I realized it at the time, and I remember looking back and being like, "Holy shit, I wrote that, and it's happening now." And so, the, and then I sent you this text message, and I don't even remember it what it was. I, a very nice text message. It was it was that, and uh, I called you and thank you for it. You're really uh, you're you're a unique you're a unique dude, Brandoff. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we're friends. True, and that yeah. Learned a lot. Learned a lot and have a lot more to learn. Uh, yeah, yeah you meet a lot of people in cycling that you know as soon as you're done racing, you're probably not going to see them, but I feel like we'll be we'll be in contact. You hope that, because cycling is, is one of those sports where even if you're not at a race with your own teammate, you don't even call them. Yeah. And I have definitely, we're not good at it, but I'm we definitely trying to, we attempt to change that. Yeah, yeah. Through random text messages, emails, I'm and whatnot. Not you in a corner. Yeah, if you're not fucking putting me in a corner and trying to trying to choke me out. You know things like that. Uh, yeah, and that was that was truth. And 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 to this day, that was probably one of the best positive affirmations I've ever made in my life that has come true. Because because without those things, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah, that's you should be blaming me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's points I blame you for. Yeah. Well, thanks. And Brad. the best, and the and if anybody can find it at the tour of Normandy, the best picture ever of you being my teammate is after I had just full on thrown myself on the ground in the finishing stretch yeah. where I was going to win the sprint, and yeah. you were pu pushing me across the finish line. I believe it was at Normandy. Yeah, I remember that you fucking threw yourself. Threw myself on the ground, oh. and uh, you were you were like literally helping me across the finish line. And there's a random picture of it out there, and that's like. One of my all-time favorite pictures. Ah, uh, no problem. All right, Brad Huff. That's been long. That's There's been tons long. more stories. We'll do it another like time. Like the time that Pete convinced you I went out for bike ride and was lost in Compton. Yeah. And got you all kitted up at 10 o'clock at night. And I went out to find you. Oh, that's not good anymore. Yeah. All right. I love you, Brad Huff. All right. Thanks, Mike. I love you.